Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. And hello, welcome to the call. 10 stocks picked by you, two experts, one hour. I'm Andrew Gagan. Thanks for joining us on this Tuesday, our two experts on the show. Today, Mark Morlett from Team Invest and Carl Kapalinga from Think Markets. Guys, welcome to both of you on this Tuesday. Good to see you. Good to see you, Andrew. Uh, Carl. Carl, of course, earnings season just getting underway um, locally. We're already getting a few. We're uh, going to hear from NAB uh, very shortly. But uh, also comes as consumer confidence has tumbled, probably not surprising in the mm. wake of the latest uh, rate hike by the RBA. Are we going to see that reflected in spending going forward and is that going to impact earnings, do you think? Well, yeah, you would think so. But looking at the market, I mean, there's consumer confidence and then there's investor confidence and there's a bit of a disconnect between the two at the moment. Because if you look at the, the, the market, I mean, look at the A6200, uh, you know, it's pretty much a vertical line straight up since the lows. So, yeah, I mean, uh, I think so. I think so. I think, yeah, we, we're going to see an economic slowdown. I think um, maybe this bounce has put some stocks probably uh, uh, away from uh, the fair value side of things again. Uh, but the, the, the key point here is it doesn't matter what I think, Andrew, and, and it only matters what the market thinks. And as a trend follower, I have to truly, truly believe that. And sometimes I have to remind myself of that. So uh, whilst the uh, short term trend is up, happy to, you know, and this is what we're telling clients, look, we're, we're going to look for very strategic opportunities. We're going to really focus on um, trends and charts at the moment. And but I tell you what, if the market turns, uh, we're going to run away, run away like a startled burglar. So we're going to we're in this for, for the for the good time, uh, not the long time, and we are very very cautious uh, outside of what's going on right now in the short term trend. Cautious, right, Mark? What are your expectations for earnings season? Uh, well, it's interesting. I mean, if you look at we've got employment, we're full employment mm. effectively. Mm. So all these things we're talking about recession and slowdown, credit card. Uh, debt is, I think, currently 17 billion. It was 26 billion before COVID. So it's way down. The US is back to what it was before COVID. So we seem to be behind the US in that the, um, we seem to be buoyant still from a consumer spending. If you look at the, some of the reports already, uh, like JB Hi-Fi came out with guidance on their sales, which were up like 9% on top of the high from COVID. So yeah, I think two, two thirds of the US reporting uh, for their quarterly reporting so far are, are above what consensus was. So there's no, yeah, the, the facts on the ground, even though logic would say, you know, maybe retail will slow down and we're going to have consumer tightness. I don't think, I'm not seeing the evidence of it, um, quite frankly. So, um, and I do agree with Carl in that the, um, quite a few of the prices have come back like 10% or something. So they're still down on what they were before. But it's very hard to predict where this is going to go mm. because we're in a, you know, the, the macro stuff's exciting and it's good to talk about it and speculate, but you really have no idea. There's so many moving parts. All we can do is sort of play the game on the ground. So for us, what we do at Team Invest is we, we want to build our portfolios with uh, quality companies which we can buy at a price that will give us a decent return with low risk. And there are companies like that at the moment, but it's yep. not, the market's not cheap. 
overall. I'm not saying we're swimming in opportunities like we were in March 2020 when there was, you know, when we had that big drop of about 35%. And then, mm. we had, then we were spoiled for choice, but it didn't last long. Yep. And it bounced. So now are we in a, is this like a bear rally in a downtrend? I, I don't know. We'll be able to look back and know in a couple of years. Um, but yeah. I've, I've been buying a few things, so I'm cautiously putting money into the market. I'm not, I'm not racing into it. But I, the trouble is, if you wait and, and assume you're going to time the market and wait till it gets lower, like happened in, in Mar- March in 220, yep. you just bounce back. So you stood there with the cash holding it in your hand, and then everything went back to where it was well, before, and you didn't get the 50% discount. Case for dollar cost averaging, I guess, right. in that That's sort right. of sense. All right. Well, look, um, as I said, we are already into earnings. Just before we get there, a preview of what we can uh, talk about this first uh, half of the show, Beacon Lighting, Suncorp, Alliance Aviation, <coughs> Tamilwood, Dexas Convenience, Retail, REIT. All right, our stock of the day is NAB, out with its third quarter results, seeing a net profit of uh, more than $1.8 billion and a slightly lower net interest margin uh, compared with its uh, half-year quarterly average in the 22 financial year. NAB expecting its cost growth to be around 3 to 4% saying the company is well advanced in its wholesale funding task, having raised $34 billion by the end of June, and it considers the majority of its customers to be well-placed to manage inflationary challenges, saying 70% of them are they're ahead on their repayments, uh, with the chief executive there, Ross McEwen, saying uh, low unemployment and healthy household balance sheets are helping to mitigate the impacts of higher inflation and higher interest rates. So, Mark... Um, just taking a look at the market reaction today, down just over 3% at this point on the share market. So what are you seeing just as far as, I guess, NAB, uh, first the big banks to report, um, and crucially, I guess, the outlook for them? We, we tend to not like the big banks, and we don't, we, we, we class them, we basically say that it's impossible for them to really be wealth winners over the long term. Uh, people get confused sometimes with the dividend income they're getting and don't consider capital values. If you look at NAB, back in 2015, the share price was um, $39.15, and now it's 30, you know, 30, what's it now, 30, 30 or something like that yesterday. So it's actually gone down, that's over the last seven years. And if I look at the earnings as well, the earnings over the that period have gone down from what they were. So it's been a downward trend over time. It's very difficult to make money investing in a in a company that doesn't have earnings growth over time consistently and decent return on equity. Um, NAB just passes on return on, e- on equity. Uh, it's on a 15 PE at the moment, and its earnings average over the last six years on our calculations are minus 8% per year. So it's got negative average GPS growth. Now I know some uh, people are saying, well, the banks now, interest rates are going up, that means they'll increase their margins. That's true. But the opposing side of that is that as interest rates go up, it's, it's slowing the property market down, property prices come down, uh, you know, you could have some defaults and so on. So bad debt typically goes up. Now, whether that counters it and whether they win on the extra margins versus the uh, extra cost of bad debt, if interest rates do go up much more, we won't know until it happens. But if you look at history, they just they, ha- they just haven't performed. Mm. And the other thing they've got is massive uh, political risk, you know, because if they start bumping up interest rates, you know, they, be, it'll, 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 the market will start screaming. And, you know, they're limited really of what they can do because they, and who wants to move first? But of the banks, if you do want to invest in banks, CBA has been by far the best performer over time. NAB's been the worst and ANZ and Westpac are in the middle. So I wouldn't buy, I wouldn't touch uh, NAB. CBA is on a P of 19, it's way too high you know, for the uh, current earnings. So any expectation, I believe, in them improving their earnings is already priced in. Yep. 
All so right. I would be a seller. Okay. All right. Sell on that. Carl, um, yeah, just taking a look at that chart there. So, you know, Mark making that point. I mean, it's sort of essentially gone sideways, hasn't it, over that time? Yeah, look, it has. And most of, the, most of the banks have as well. And look, I'm pretty much on the same page as Mark regarding banks. And it depends, you know. You, you Look, sometimes, Andrew, let's face it, it doesn't matter what Mark or I or any expert that comes on the call says about the banks, people aren't, are never going to sell them, right? They're just like that, that they are non touchable, you know, untouchable within people's portfolios. So. Uh, it, I'll speak mainly to the people who don't have them and are thinking about buying them, right? And, uh, yeah, look, there wouldn't be buy preferred picks uh, at the moment. I think they have run pretty hard from those lows. And I'm concerned about this thesis that, okay, you just knee-jerk uh, interest rates are going up and therefore that helps their net interest margins. Well, if you look at what they reported today, their net interest margins got worse. Uh, and and so their short-term funding is going up and up and up because um, short-term rates are going up. But as you look out the curve in terms of yield curve, um, it's flattening. It's flattening because the, the, the market is pricing in the possibility that the interest rates got so much that they break the economy and some of those things that Mark talked about with respect to um, uh, worsening uh, credit impairments and the worsening um, housing market, which is their bread and butter, come come to mind. So they've got this, I think we've we've seen a bump based upon this short-term earnings picture, but as I think we focus more medium and longer term and move out of this sort of dividend cycle we're in, um, sort of you know, starting to get 45 days out from the next bunch of dividends, I think they will struggle. I think they will struggle. So I don't think they're, you want to rush out and buy these things here. I think often they trade in ranges. Um, so again, look at the chart and, and have a look at the range on National Australia Bank. You know, it tends to bounce off that sort of 26, 27, and that tends to get sold pretty hard off the sort of um, 32, 33. Uh, if I had to pick one, that's really tough. Maybe Westpac seems to be the least overvalued and it seems to have the best dividend yield if that's what you're looking for with probably, if I squint, the best growth outlook. So uh, I'm going to go um, hold on NAB on the basis that the chart is still moving towards the top of the range, but really be attentive for what happens when you get there. But okay. my preferred pick is Westpac. Okay, fair enough. All right, let's get into the stocks as picked by you. The first one, Beacon Lighting, Georgia, wanting to know about this uh, share price has come off significantly, but just in the past month, it's picked up. Now, in terms of growth, it's saying it's orientating towards trade customers and also e-commerce, which it's saying is delivering a lot of growth for the business. Uh, the half-year online sales rising by 41%. Carl, of course, the other thing to consider at the moment is, um, I guess as far as you know, consumers are concerned, whether they're likely to defer any sort of home improvement, mm. and that's going to impact the company at the same time. Well, things are so expensive, Andrew, in that space at the moment. So you've got a, a bunch of tradies. Now, don't get me wrong. I love them. And we've got a bunch of tradies that are listening uh, to, to us right now. But let's face it, they are making hay while the sun is shining, while demand is high for, for renovations and, and, and um, labour and, and skills are, are limited. Um, now, it, 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 as exp- my point is, it's so expensive now and, and 
I mean, if, if interest rates have gone up, um, you know, the, 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 that fine line in terms of discretionary spending is getting um, smaller. I mean, what ability do we have to go out and splurge on on these um, sorts of things in the future? So I'm a little bit concerned. I mean, if you look at their um, growth rates, the forecast uh, growth rate consensus numbers here from Thomson Reuters, we're talking about flat earnings out to FY25. Um, they're trading on a PE at the moment, uh, not hugely challenging, of about 13 or 14. And that's at the lower end of the sort of the last five-year range uh, but you have to I have to say well what would I pay what would I pay it for a stock that has flat earnings growth going forward and I don't think I could get even up to you know as low as 13 so on that basis I can't see the value the chart is pretty much reflecting sort of this this valuation this fundamental picture it looks pretty sad to be honest um, sort of a, a, this medium to long-term downtrend it has had a short-term rally but for me it's getting back up to a really really um, high pressure point here in terms of the rally where there has been quite a bit of um, resistance, quite a bit of supply in the past. If that supply kicks in, and I'm going to give you a number here, if it breaks back beneath, uh, say, 210. So closing beneath 210, I think it's in the next leg down. Um, I'm not sure if you want to play the game of holding and waiting to see if that occurs based upon the valuation. And on that basis, therefore, I have to go sell. Mm. Okay. Mark? Um, Yeah, well, we like retail. Um, retail has been fabulous for us. Um, of the good retailers, Beacon Lighting scrapes in at the bottom of the good ones. So I'm not saying it's bad. Um, it's, it's, a, it's, it's surprising to me what their PE is because if you look at their, their growth rate uh, historically, it was actually very flat and then they had an outstanding COVID. So if, I, if you look at it up till 2019, 2020, its growth was flat to slightly negative. Now it's an average of 5.7% over six years, so way below JB Hi-Fi, Nick Scarley and the better retailers. Uh, there's nothing wrong with the business. It's got a bit too much debt. As Carl mentioned, the PE is right on the borderline of the green for us, which is the bottom quartile. So that's good in that Beacon has, has, a, has always had a higher PE ratio than some of the better retailers, which don't explain, ask me why. Uh, I can't see any justification. We're, we're predicting it's going to return about 4.6% a year going forward over the next five years based on our expectation of its historical performance and, and uh, what it's likely to do in this market. Um, so it's an okay company. Um, there's better retailers. I wouldn't buy this one. Okay. All right. If you've got it, you know, depending on the situation, you could still maybe keep it as a hold. Perhaps. Sold. You know, it's not bad. I'm not. Yep. I'm not canning it. All right. That's Beacon. Let's move on to one of those companies that has uh, just reported SunCorp out yesterday with its results uh, revenue up 14%. However, net profit uh, after tax down 34% and has reaffirmed its uh, 23 financial year targets. And of course, also to consider it has accepted that $4.9 billion bid from ANZ to take over its banking business. Um, so Mark, how did you assess those results? Um, well, it's not a company that we, um, we follow. It's never looked good enough to, be, to interest us. Um, I'm not sure what the implications are if they sell their banking business off, whether that means they're going to be more pure insurance, mm. which is probably a good thing um, from the market's point of view, but insurance is really um, struggling, as in uh, it's, a, it's a hard business. You also have to have uh, a lot of uh, you need a lot of fortitude to be able to suffer a lot of pain in insurance. <coughs> it tends to go through cycles of woe. Well, there are a lot of variables. There they? are a lot of variables, yeah. and you know it's all very well. You know they get the float, and you know from the um, and and then 
it, depending on whether you can invest that well, you know, like Buffett does, for instance, um, that gives you a return. But if your claims are higher than what you receive, you lose money and then mm. you adjust the future premiums. But that all takes time. So it's a difficult business. Um, if you look at its earnings, I've got negative 6% per year average over the last six years with good stability. In other words, it's consistently poor. Um, <laughs> the return on equity fails from us. Uh, the debt fails, way too much debt uh, for us as well. So it doesn't even get close to hitting our screens uh, to be of interest. So uh, it's a big no. We're showing a returning negative 8% a year going forward. If it just continues doing what it's doing, that's without considering the bank sale issue. I have no idea what that means. Do you like any insurance? Uh, no, not really, not at the moment. <laughs> right. I, I, did, I did invest in AIG AI, when uh, Buffett bought in. Oh, that yeah, was, right. That was more sympathetic to that. And <laughs> I, I didn't last that long. I, right. I couldn't stand it. <laughs> so. All right, Carl, what are you seeing? Uh, yeah, I was just having a look at some of the insurance companies as we speak. Um, yeah, look, IAG, I, if you had to pick between the two, uh, I reckon that would be the one I would go just on the on the technical basis. I mean, it's, as Mark said, it's a tough gig, um, and you know, floods. Um, who knows what it's going to going to be next? That's uh, going to cause the damage that, <laughs> that they're going to have to deal with. And then you know, you're just making it more of a pure insurance play. One thing that does help them, of course, if when interest rates go up uh, on all of the the, the you know the the, uh, the premiums that they collect, and as Mark says, they they invest that and try and um, you know make more of a return on that than potentially they have to pay out. So that's that's going to help them a little bit. Um, but I yeah, just don't think it's a place you want to be. It's like you know, agricultural stocks, you know, there's kind of a time and a place uh, for these things. I don't think the time is, is now looking at the chart. And I did a, a, a just check the valuation on it as well. Very flat earnings, another one with very uh, limited earnings, about 3% uh, compound annual growth rate in earnings over the next uh, three or four uh, FYs based upon the Thomson Reuters estimates there. So um, not exciting growth. The valuation doesn't look uh, exciting either. And then with the technical um, picture as well, looking very, very flat over the last sort of um, 12 months. Uh, and then more broadly speaking, starting to break towards the bottom of a range uh, is a little bit more concerning. So if I can't find a reason to buy it, you can see just how flat that chart is. But also, I think, as you can see in the chart there, it's starting to get more towards the lower end of the range from the left-hand side. So that's concerning. If it, if it breaks below, say, uh, 10.50, I think it's in real trouble because then um, it could uh, extend like that top left bit down the down the bottom right, and that would be a big concern. So uh, if I can't find a reason to, to, to buy it, if I can't find a reason to own it, I have to go sell again. Mm. All right. That's a negative from both, essentially, then on Suncorp, but uh, more broadly, perhaps a reflection of what we're seeing in the insurance sector. All right, let's move on to Alliance Aviation. Daisy wanted to know about this and whether the Qantas deal will actually go through. Now, the competition watchdog, the ACCC, warning that it will continue to monitor Qantas's conduct in the industry in relation to Alliance and may take action at a later time as it seeks to up its stake. Carl, what are you seeing there? Yeah, well, it's interesting, isn't it? Because, uh, yeah, there's quite a bit of overlap, obviously, in what these guys do. So these guys provide the, um, the, the uh, what's the right word, hot, hot planes? That's not the right word. I can't remember what it's called. But anyway, you know, when there's overflow. Well, the equivalent of a hot desk, to, you mean? You just... Uh, like, I, yeah, well, yes. You know, when, when, yeah. when Qantas has a flying flying hot desk. So when, when, yeah. when, when Qantas has a bunch of overflow, they need to put on a bunch of extra services. They call AQZ, and AQZ will... Um, you know, use their fleet to, to accommodate uh, Qantas. And there's a long-standing um, deal 
uh, anyway um, to, to provide that for Qantas. And then they do a bunch of uh, maintenance services as well. So, you know, as they're, they're kind of essential, obviously, to the airline industry, but um, their fortunes have ebbed and flowed with uh, that industry. And obviously, the, the COVID uh, issue has um, taken a big chunk out of their prospective earnings um, for the re- for, for the recent past. You know, looking forward, uh, the hope is obviously that that's going to back out and uh, you know things are going to get back to normal. Um, it does look pretty cheap though uh, on on the the valuation. Um, so. You know, it's got some pretty good growth uh, forecast. Again, these are all forecasts, broker consensus. Um, so, t- you know, take make of that what you will. But it is sort of looking, we've got a fair value target around about $4 here, which is, you know, providing around about sort of um, 17, 18% upside. I can't see it in the chart though. And this is where I, I have to marry the two together. So if I, if I run a, a valuation uh, using my, my spreadsheet and the various uh, metrics I use comparing to other stocks uh, on the in the awards, uh, and find something that looks wonderful. And I get very excited, of course. And then I go to the chart and I see a chart like this, which is, again, pretty flat. It's a bit like the Suncorp thing. So very, very flat, but breaking towards the end of the range. That's a, that's the good chart there. So we can see that, um, uh, yes, in the in the medium term, it it's looks very flat. But when you zoom out, it's breaking towards the end of the range. So it kind of gets below. I'll give you a couple of numbers here. Um, that low there is uh, so 308. So it's closing beneath 308. Let's you know, use round numbers here. Let's call it three bucks to be sure. But Close below three bucks. It's a very slippery slope from here. As in, the next support levels are two dollars, and then beneath that, one dollar. Um, so, what do you do with it? Do you go well? Carl thinks it's undervalued, and therefore I'm going to hold on. Or do you go well? The chart looks really scary, and therefore I'm going to get it, get out. I'm going to go with the chart here. I'm going to say there's enough in it to be to raise my concerns to a level where I think you can sell this one as well. All right. Okay. But also, I guess it depends on whether that Qantas actually succeeds. Uh, Mark? That's right. Well, I have no idea on that one. Uh, mm. I think they, if memory serves, which it may not, they tried to do a deal with Virgin um, some time ago, and that got knocked off. Right. Uh, and, and which, it's a pity, because a lot of the time, these, these competitive arguments of, you know, the, 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 the companies need to be bigger sometimes to make them survive, be able to be survivable. Anyway, that's beside the point. Um, uh, it, the company actually did quite well between uh, 2015 up to 220, so it was growing steadily. Uh, its earnings were increasing versus sales, and if you if you owned it through that period, you did quite well. And I think it peaked out at about uh, $4.48 or something. So to get back to $4, really, what you're talking about is getting back to where they were. They had a bad COVID, but you, of course you'd expect them to have a bad COVID. Aviation stopped, so they, their earnings dropped, uh, fell off a cliff, and they actually went from down from. Um, 21 cents in 2021 down to 4 cents um, in the on the trailing 12 months so the PE therefore is blown out and because because the share price hasn't gone down that much it's down about a dollar from the high um, the earnings are down uh, four times you know so they're a fifth actually the earnings are a fifth of what they were so if you if the market was being harsh on it, the share price would be a lot lower. So the PE at the moment is about 80 times on trailing earnings. So the market's assuming their earnings are going to bounce back now, uh, or maybe there's extra benefit in the Qantas deal, you know, they're factoring in as well, which mm-hmm. is quite possible. Um, but it's all in there already. I think it's already in the price. You know, there's so I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't be interested in it. In that, in that it's 
it's, it's also in aviation. It's capital intensive. Yeah. It's just a bad area <laughs> to invest in. Typical sector. The thing is, if investors want to, if you want to, I'm not talking about trading here, I'm talking about investing. Yep. If you want to build a portfolio of decent companies, you want as much predictability and reliability as you can. So we're, we're in industry, and you could argue that aviation is a broken industry. The, there was a, a study done in the US, they said there was more money went into aviation uh, in shares bought than ever came out. In other words, it's a net negative industry. So more money goes in than it actually ever produces. That's not a good start. So it's not like you've got a tailwind there and the industry's growing. Mm. It's net negative. And then what you're trying to do is make money in the, in the, the troughs to the highs, which, you know, you, you can do it if you're brave. It's just not something we'd be interested in. Goodness, what's, what's the answer then? Nationalising. Avoid it. No, 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 no. No, <laughs> no. <laughs> no the answer is, I think, is it's an avoid unless you're... Um, like, let's say the price had tanked here down to a dollar or something, which it could have, by the way. Yep. And if it did, then, okay, then maybe if you're a trader and Carl would probably then like it. Yeah. Uh, but for me, I still wouldn't. No, I guess my point was more <laughs> aviation in general. I was making the it's point terrible. there. It's just like, if it's, you just can't make a buck out of it, then what's lose, the answer? If the governor, they lose more money. Yeah, yeah. Well, as we saw, we saw in the yeah. past there, obviously, right. you know, back in the days of TAA and so on. Uh, all right, let's move on to Tamarwood. Carlos wanted to know about this. Um, specifically, Mark directed at you, Team Invest, how they feel about it now, a stock they've previously talked positively about. That's a long time uh, ago. Well, okay, you can tell us when. It is in the building, construction, housing, design, yeah. project management area, uh, particularly through Dixon Homes. Uh, it has its franchising and licensing operations. Operating in Queensland, New South Wales, ACT and New Zealand. All right, tell us about it then, Mark. Um, it's a fairly small cap um, stock. Uh, it's one that Howard did very, very well in about four, 15 years ago to about uh, seven or eight years ago. So it's been about seven or eight years since we've, we, since we lost interest in it. Uh, it's a quality small company with a founder CEO who we used to like a lot. It's quite illiquid, well it was last time I looked at it. Um, and at the moment, the PE is on 11.9. From a timing point of view for real estate, I think this is a home builder. Their main business is in Queensland. And you've got to question the market going forward for them now. They, they've, they've had a tailwind, which I think is looking like it's a headwind now. So they've had good times, but in those good times, their EPS has been negative 11% a year. So their earnings are now about where they were back in 2013, with a bump in 2017, then drop down again, which is a really bad start. So sales are down as well. So, and this is, and if I'm right, and, they, and if they're going into a harder period now with interest rates and all the rest of it, mm. that's not a good start. If they were coming in strong and they'd been really profitable, I'd be a lot, I'd be more interested. So they haven't performed well over the last uh, since 2017. It's been all downhill from our point of view. Um, so the answer is no interest at all. All right. Okay, um, Carl. And I mean, clearly, just look at what's going on in the sector at the moment. It's so challenging. Yeah. So many builders falling over at this point. Yeah, and and you know, on the face of it, you go, oh well, there was this huge uh, build building boom, right? So there was all these government incentives to go and build a house uh, because of the pandemic, right? Get get Australia working and building and so it's the oldest the oldest trick in the book isn't it there's a crisis you know throw some money at the housing sector um, but of course what it did was you know everybody thought they were getting this free money from the government but then builders just jacked up their prices by double that in day one I mean I know this because I've got some friends that signed contracts the day before and I've got friends that signed contracts you know a little time after you know, there was there was there was no saving there it was just taxpayers money uh, potentially going into uh, the building company's pockets 
but then it didn't even get to their pocket. So this is the Tamilwood problem, is that uh, because costs went berserk, mm. so building materials, so we know there's a global supply shortage of everything, we know freight costs have gone through the roof. So getting stuff into the country, uh, you know, your, your Japanese hand-cut tiles, for example, Andrew, that I've put on my splashback, I tell you what, those things took me three months to get my hands on, and they cost a bloody fortune. Um, and then your labour, because all your, your tradies wouldn't get their injections. And again, from personal experience with our, our contractor, they wouldn't get their injections. They're all young and, and, and hip and fan, footloose and fancy free. So it took them a few weeks before they ran out of money to go get the injections. And then builders didn't have any staff. I'm just giving examples. Costs went through the roof and they didn't even make any money out of it. And are things going to get better in that regard? Probably not. So uh, Tamil would have had a hard time. I think they'll continue to have a hard time. Uh, a couple of other reasons why you wouldn't buy this now. This is just not to do with Tamilwood, but anything. So uh, the volume traded today, 2,550 shares, okay? Volume traded yesterday, uh, a to less than 20,000 shares. So it is so crazily illiquid and those things they're big red, red flags for me as well so uh, the chart looks horrendous uh, I, I don't I really don't have anything good to say about the chart uh, so if you don't have anything good to say don't say anything at all and needless to say this one's going to be a sell for me all right a strong sell as in, as in I think you should get out straight away okay all right you heard it there all right let's move on to Dexas convenience retail REIT Ollie wanted to know about this interested in after its up Beat report wondering whether this could be a good side of property to hold up even if asset values elsewhere drop. It has just reported, uh, in fact, uh, what statutory net profit there, 82 million, up around 12% on the last year. Also been in acquisition mode, 15 uh, acquisitions during the past financial year, totaling 168 million. Carl, how are you looking at this one? Mm, I'm not a big fan of the rates at the moment, um, just with, uh, I think interest rates are going to take a bit, you know, high, high interest rates can take a bit of a chunk out of their their models. Uh, so we don't have a lot of coverage in the sector at the moment on that basis. I haven't had a close look at this one, uh, so apologies on that. So I'm going to defer to the chart. And the chart is pretty much reflective of, uh, of the sector, and, and it is very much a, a long-term downtrend. You can see that top left, bottom right, that's not a great start. It's had a little bit of a rally and I think a lot of that's to do with maybe they got a little bit oversold and the market's had a big bounce so the rising tide I think has lifted uh, all the, all of the ships there but I think we're starting to lose momentum in this bounce and we've seen a pretty decent peak uh, pegged at about 3.17, 3.18 and then a pretty sharp drop and a pretty feeble rally from that. So if it makes this lower peak from here uh, in line with that longer term downtrend, I'd be really concerned. And I'll give you a number here. Um, look, uh, I'm going to go sell anyway, but if you had to hold it for whatever reason, you, you didn't want to sell today, uh, you're not taking taking my, my opinion on that one, uh, a close below 293 and I think it's lights out. So I'm going to go sell, but if you have to hold it, watch that key level there. Okay. How are you thinking about it, Mark? Um, we don't actually uh, pay that much, much attention to REITs, so sort of outside our uh, our area of specialisation, because they have some peculiar characteristics of their own. But one of the key things we don't like in them is that they they can revalue properties, and that goes into the P and L. So they, if they if they if they make ten percent on their portfolio, it says that they've got a profit, but they don't mm -hmm. have any cash profit. It's on paper, you know. So there's a few things like that. Uh, they tend to have a lot of debt. This one's not too bad. It's only about thirty nine percent debt to equity. A lot of them are a lot higher than that. 
So they leverage them up, but it does pay out 82% of its earnings. So it, they are providing good income. The, the numbers aren't too bad. Over the last six years, it's, it's averaged 10% EPS average growth. Uh, it's dropped off in the last, uh, the last two years a bit, but it's been pretty healthy. Return on equity is often low with REITs because they have because of the debt factor. Uh, well, not, not uh, sorry. Return on capital is low, which is their 5.5 because of uh, the debt, which is we have a minimum of 10%. So, and the other problem with it at the moment is it's on a 16 PE. Um, which is in the red for them. So it's in the top quartile of, of uh, their trading range and it would need to be below 13 to be in the green. So it's expensive on the market at the moment for what it is and we're showing a margin of safety return of about 2.5% per year for the next five years, which is pretty ordinary. Uh, however, to be fair to them, it's about 14% on default. So as long as, the, as, long as we don't have a, a drop in values where they have to write down the valuation of their portfolios, if that doesn't happen, it might happen, we don't know. If it doesn't happen, then it'll probably be fine. But there's a significant risk that it will. So I'll be a sell. Okay. As well. All right. So let's sum it up. Uh, the past five stocks plus stock of the day, in fact, uh, was all pretty negative that first half, I've got to say. Um, we began with NAB, our stock of the day, having just reported this morning. Uh, we've got a sell from Mark. If he had to pick one of the big banks, it would be CBA. A hold there from Carl. He prefers Westpac. Uh, for those stocks, as picked by you, Beacon Lighting, a sell from Carl, a no possible hold there from Mark. Suncorp in the insurance space, uh, which um, market and team invest don't generally like. Uh, no, Carl there, a sell. Alliance Aviation, the ne- negativity continues a sell from Carl and a void from Mark Tamawood, which uh, team invest did like, but that was going back about eight years or so. Very illiquid, both point out. No from Mark, a sell, a strong sell from Carl and Dex's convenience retail REIT, a sell from both. All right. Well, of course, uh, here at the core, we're tracking our own high conviction fund, which is picked by our investment committee. The latest episode of that meeting is live for you to watch at ausbiz.com. Let's check in on the update. Uh, into August, Ordinate was removed and Oz Minerals was added. Uh, we also upped our Woodside holding size and we'll update you on that, how that updated portfolio is traveling later in the week. Uh, interesting just as far as Oz Minerals, given the news yesterday with BHP. All right, so keep sending in your requests. Keep the call switched on to see which stocks our committee will be looking at next. At CMC, we've been in the game for a while. And although a lot of things have changed, our mentality hasn't. We aim to give experienced traders the best trading experience, like our expert platform with its second-to-none trading tools. Plus, our pricing is completely transparent. That's why people who've been trading for a long time stay with us for a long time. So if you're serious about trading, switch to the market leader trusted for over 30 years. Trade CFDs your way at cmcmarkets.com. You don't own underlying assets. Consider relevant PDS and TMD or information memorandum for CMC. Pro accounts at our website. All right, let's see if we can get a buy in the second half of the show. We'll be looking at <laughs> main pharmaceuticals, Lapidico, uh, Costa Group, Horizon, and Tuas. Uh, let's begin with main pharmaceuticals. Uh, John wanted to know about this. In fact, uh, the most recent news uh, with its Belgian partner, Mithra Pharmaceuticals, has been granted FDA approval for a hormonal contraceptive ring for women that aims to reduce the likelihood of pregnancy. Uh, Carl, have you managed to take a, a look at this? And I guess you can obviously tell us what the chart's telling you as well. 
I mean, the chart doesn't look terrible, so that's that's a good start because we've seen some pretty terrible charts up to this point, and it is uh, showing all of those signs of a, of a turnaround play. So I've got two types of um, technical setups. One is the classic bottom left, top right, market loves it, happy to ride that trend as long as it continues. The other one is what I call the turnaround play. And this is where you've had a long-term downtrend, but you had a period of basing, and we're starting to move into the high peaks and high drops. So you can see that low in June, how that um, relates to the low in March. And obviously the low in June is higher than the one in March. And the only way you can get a higher low like that, or higher trough as I call it, is that there is um, potentially demand is increasing or supply is decreasing or a combination of both. Why is demand increasing? Well, again, go look at all of those fundamental things, but whatever they are, the market is seeing uh, that this one is turning the corner in terms of its earnings. Why would supply be decreasing? Well, for exactly the same reason. And then you need to make higher peaks. So what we're doing there is removing some of that deadwood supply. Obviously, when something goes down, as you can see on the, on the chart there, for as long as this one has, I mean, it's been such a dog. There's so much deadwood in the system. So a lot of people have been holding this, hoping it will go back up, but only only one reason. Finally, they'll be able to get out somewhere near their break-even point, and they'll tell themselves they'll go do something better with their money. Hopefully, they do. So you need these higher peaks. We, we're that that's just removing that supply in the system. Hopefully, there's some volume that comes in as well to tell you. Remember, volume is buying and selling. So as we're moving higher with these higher peaks and troughs, the extra volume is telling we're removing some of that supply. We're actually trading with with some of that dead wood. So tick, tick, tick. It all looks pretty good there. And it would actually white candles. Lots of white candles on this. Lots of lower shadows, so lots of buy the dip activity. It's not the best turnaround play I've seen. I've seen some really nice ones with really strong price action. Look, I'll give this a, strong, a solid six and a half out of 10, Andrew. On that basis, I can certainly get to a hold, but it's not knocking my socks off. And it's certainly not one I'd, I'd put in my you know, my daily tweets as my feature chart that I send out. Uh, so, you know, I, I go a hold, but it's not a buy. Yeah, and I reckon that took a bit of convincing. You had to convince yourself of that, didn't um, you? No, no, I think it's okay for a hold. Look, I'm, I'm happy to hold as long as it stays above 30 yep. cents. You know, the, the trend is, the tre- short-term trend is up, the long-term trend is changing. Yeah, but it wouldn't be my top pick. All right, Mark? Yeah, well, I was sitting here looking at it while Carl was talking and you know, trying to think, can I can I be positive? And I've really tried hard, but I can't. <laughs> so I'm trying. <laughs> we don't want to be all doom and gloom. But well, look, it is what big, it is. The biggest problem with it, and Carl mentioned a dog. I heard dog mentioned, and there has been a dog. And the if you look at their earnings, which is the main thing, you know, that's fundamental for us. Mm. It's average over the last six years, negative 20% a year. So, and But the trouble is, it's stability is really poor as well. So it's a massive zigzag. It was down, up, down, up, down. So it's totally unpredictable. Um, of what their earnings are. Sales have been a bit more stable, but in a downtrend. So sales are going down at negative 8% a year. So really what we need now for this company to do actually do well, and the rest of their numbers are okay, so it's not, it's not, it's not going to go broke or anything, <clears throat> um, is that their earnings now start increasing, and they may well. But I have nothing to base that on, you know, to, and we don't, what we don't do is say, oh, management says it's going to be really good now. So, well, I bet you there's been plenty of reports going back over the last 10 years where management's come out with positive uh, announcements and reports. So we don't do that. So we're more interested in, you know, show us the facts and, and let's see it. It's also on a P of 16, which is not, is, is, is actually quite high considering it's low, it's low earnings. So its earnings have to come back a bit before the P will go down or more likely at that point the share price will go up but uh, zero interest to us because the stability alone means we wouldn't touch it yep 
Okay, that's pretty emphatic then as far as Maine Farmer is concerned. All right, so let's move on to Lepidico. Alfred wanting to know this saying. I've seen a lot of chat online about it. Uh, what are the experts' thoughts? Uh, it is in the lithium space, granting an accessory works permit to develop its operations in Namibia, uh, saying that that project is fully permitted and construction work expected to begin in the September quarter. Uh, Mark, I guess this is a case of investors saying, well, we've seen all that growth at the top end of the actual of, of those companies that are actually producing. Yeah. Is it worth looking down at the bottom end at the explorers and the really speculative companies? Well, obviously not for us, <laughs> but yeah. Namibia is a place that I really look forward to investing in, you know, because it's, you know, it's just fabulous, you know, lovely, stable governments and no problems. And, you know, Africa's got a really good, you know, back, back history of, uh, of Australian companies doing well and returning money to shareholders, I don't think. So <laughs> right. there's good, very good lithium prospects in Australia. So if you want to invest on the um, lithium startup ones or the earlier ones, yep. there's plenty of opportunities here. We don't even look at them because there's some very good operators in our our favourite operator is Mineral Resources, Min, which is one of the largest hard rock, I think it's number two or number one in the world now, I think. So, and they're, they're way beyond the exploration stage and producing now lithium hydroxide and they capitalize, they're capturing the whole supply chain value right through to up to the battery components of lithium hydroxide. So um, I wouldn't go past that. This is, this, is, this is a company that has zero income as well. So it's pre-earnings. So what they're saying is they have these sites and they may be fabulous and they've got agreements. That's all great. But even then, assuming that's all true and that all comes into play, whether they'll ever make any money or not mm. is another major question because there's a very big difference between explorers and producers. And usually explorers can be worth a lot more money and as soon as you start producing, your value usually collapses because you then get hit with all the realities of costs and management and problems with mines and delays and all the rest of it. So there's, a, there's you know, people playing the speculative end. You tend to want to be out of there by the time they start producing because you know, it's not very often does a an explorer go from being an explorer to a successful producer. It's pretty rare. And so it's speculative for us. So it may, it may, purely it may, speculative. Be, it may be brilliant. It's but but for you, it's an avoid. Well, we wouldn't touch it. Okay. Yep. Okay. It wouldn't, um, in, it wouldn't get into conversation. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Carl, your thoughts? Uh, yeah, well, look, as far as I can tell, they're making money. So they're cash flow positive. They have turned a profit. Um, I'm just looking at their current annual report. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, statement of PNL in their cash flow statement. So they're making money. So it's a, they're, they're, it's a process. It's a, so as far as I know, uh, they're not mining themselves. It's a, they've got the process for the miners to process the, um, you know, what you dig out of the ground and get get the lithium out of it. Um, so it's sort of kind of you know selling shovels to the to the miners sort of thing. And obviously, you know, the lithium space is pretty hot right now. So you'd think there's plenty of uh, customers out there. Uh, but you know, I agree with if you want to make money from the lithium space, probably go for the you know the companies that are producing lithium right now can take advantage of the the high. Uh, spot prices. Um, I don't disagree with uh, the idea that um, the Pilbara Minerals is, is a good place to be, something like a Lion Town. Maybe that one's a little bit further out in production, but I still think that looks pretty interesting. And then your top ones, your mineral resources, uh, IGO and uh, All Chem, you know, they're, they're all producing. So um, they've all probably got better charts in this one as well, to be honest. Um, the chart on this is pretty, pretty flat over the last sort of 12 months it did have a, a rally as the whole lithium sector got going and no doubt no doubt um that the um 
person asked this one, Alfred. Alfred, no doubt, saw it on all the chat rooms. As because, let's face it, you know, when when things are hot, um, chat rooms go crazy with these things. And, and here's the risk: you get on the chat room, you hear a story, there's a good narrative around a company, and it's rocketing. You jump on, but then you know, six weeks, six months later, it's it's a third of its value um, because all of the fresh meat that was being added to the top of the grinder, pushing the price up, they're, they're all they've all disappeared, and everybody wants to take those huge accumulated profits. So please, please, please get your information from a better source than chat rooms uh, and so-called experts uh, influencing on TikTok and YouTube and things like that and do a little bit of research and see if there's a business case first. And if you do like the business case, and I think there is a business case here, then go look at the chart. And when there's momentum in the chart and a business case supporting with that wonderful narrative, that's when you get on board. But understand that the narrative doesn't last forever. So understand when trends change and when you want to take some profits on things, you don't have to be all out. So don't think I have to nail the entry I have to get in right at the bottom and I have to get out right at the top. Please don't think like that. Mm. You know, you can you can um, average in, you know, uh, I like to get in in thirds. And as I'm buying, I like to buy higher, Andrew. I don't, I, don't, I don't want to buy lower because it means I'm wrong and the market doesn't like my stock. I want to buy in at a dollar and I want to buy my next batch at a dollar ten. I want to buy my next batch at a dollar twenty. And let's say it gets to, you know, two dollars fifty and starts to come down. Well, you might be selling at two forty or two thirty or two twenty as the market's, um, you know, telling you the market's to, the, the stock's turning around. So I know I've, I've gone a little bit off topic. I, I, I can't buy this one right now because the chart's just not showing me the alignment between the, the business fundamentals and the narrative. So yep. I, can't, I can't even get to a hold uh, right now. I'm going to go, uh, and it's a bit brutal, I'm going to go sell. It might get better, right. and then I can change my opinion on it, but right now I don't think it's the one. Okay, all right, that is Lapitico. Let's move on to Costa Group. Uh, Richard wanting to know about this. Uh, in fact, uh, I think we had about a month ago, we had an update, and in fact, uh, that uh, drew the ire of uh, Credit Suisse, the broken downgrading of the company's shares to neutral, slashing the price target by 24% uh, on revising its earnings estimate, particularly uh, reflecting weaker avocado prices. Uh, yeah, you'd have to go to the shops to see those prices have dropped. Mm. Uh, which is surprising given everything else has gone the opposite direction and a poor citrus season as well as supply chain headwinds. So, Carl, how do you see Costa Group? I like the cheap avocados. We're loving those, uh, but as you say, it's not good for the producers because uh, your $1 avocado, uh, don't forget your supermarket's taking a pretty decent chunk of that and then there's the person who's got to drive the truck, of course, and petrol's gone up. And then you've got to get the labour, if you can find the labour to pick those avocados because people have COVID and we can't get, um, you know, uh, labour from overseas in, it's very hard to do that. So uh, plus it might rain too much or it might not rain enough. Um, you know, there might be a, a, a fire that uh, wipes, wipes out a particular uh, crop. I'm not sure if it was uh, Costa that experienced that. I think it was not that long ago. They had a plant that there was a fire somewhere as well at one of their um, plants. Maybe I'm getting it confused with something else. My point is, it is a tough, tough gig. Having said that, look, when the trend is up, I'm happy to ride these things, happy to put them in front of clients to buy, but that's not really the case right now. It's uh, top left, mm. bottom right. I can see some signs that there's a little bit of a bounce here. So I'm probably going to surprise you on this one. And there's a, just enough in it. There's enough in it on the candles, just improvement. And you have to really squint to see it. But I think there's enough in it to hold it, if only to get out at a better price. And that might be around about $290 to $3. So a little bit odd because a lot of these I've called to sell, but I'm calling them based upon worse candles. 
uh, and some of these other metrics to look at in terms of the chart. But I'm going to go hold on this one only on the basis I think you'll get 290, and that's where I think you can probably get a better a better place to get out. If it broke, if it closed below 250, I think then you, that thesis is done, and you just go with the straight out sell. Yep. Okay. All right. Well, that's a positive take on a negative. I will take that. Um, all right, Mark. Your well thoughts? Uh, Costa, Costa is in uh, is agri business. You know, the agriculture tough area. Mm. We've had a lot of companies today in really tough industries, and that just adds to the management challenge when you have climate, floods, rains. All, all these things can happen. Pricing. It's still commodities. You know, based on uh, farm and as Carl described, the avocado story. Really tough to make uh, make money. And as such, their stability is all over the shop. So it's thirty nine percent. So it's you know they did well in 2017, really badly in 2018, pretty well in 2000, and really bad, and then not so well uh, last year. Too hard to uh, predict. It's to surprise me how high a PE it's always had. So the market seems to have liked it, but their return on equity was 7.4 and return on capital 4.6 because they have quite a lot of debt. Uh, debt's at about 119% debt to equity, which is way over our limit. Um, now you could argue it's probably real estate, you know, farms and so on uh, that they've got. But the trouble is, return on equity of seven gives you sort of a speed limit over time. So on an equivalent PE range over five years, or a terminal PE the same as it is today, you're not going to earn more than seven um, percent on the company at best. Now that's the sort of speed limit because that's that's all their earnings are. So yep. they're either investing that in the business or paying it out as a dividend. Um, and that's the high end of what you could do. So no interest at all. It's just not uh, not. Uh, very interesting. All right. No, we'll leave, we'll leave it there because uh, we are running behind schedule. So you've, you've, look, we're still very negative at the moment. Anyway, we've got two to go. Let's see if we can get anything out of these. Uh, Horizon. Uh, Andrea wanted to know about this. Uh, has reported uh, EBITDA uh, down 1% on the previous corresponding period. Uh, NPAT down 2%. And uh, dividend cut by some 24%. Mark, Horizon. Uh, of course, high coal prices, I guess, something there as far as yeah. uh, its haulage business is concerned. Yeah. Um, look, its its numbers are uh, okay. So it looks all right um, on uh, all of our metrics. The EPS is on net, has been minus 2% per year over six years, but it's I would say it's flat. So earning, earnings have been flat. They, they've had a pretty good run with coal. I mean, coal has been booming, of course. Mm. And uh, return on equity passes everything else. So if all the metrics are okay. Um, look, on a current price, the current PE is 13.3. It's in the green, which means it's in the bottom quartile of its range. But we're showing it returning 6.1 per year over the next five years. And 6% yeah, per year uh, is pretty ordinary. So it's, it's okay. So, um, but why would I buy it? Because I, I can do a lot better than 6%. Yep. So better, better choices, but it's okay. Would you hold it? Well, I wouldn't, um, right. but, but I won't say it's a sell because when you say whether someone should hold it, it depends on the story and yeah. what they paid for it in tax and, sure. hold, and also what their alternatives are. Um, is it, just say if it's paying a dividend. Power ratio is 72%, so it's, it's, paying, it's paying a dividend as well, so it's okay. One of, one of their directors is a member of ours, so we never talk about it. <laughs> right, okay. So I'm just looking at the numbers. <laughs> well, you have now. Yeah. All right, let's see if he's listening. Okay, um, Carl, your take. Uh, no, we're not going to get any 
positive stuff going on, oh. unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> uh, look, it has. Look, I have liked it in the past. You know, it's it sort of started to make a decent trend in sort of March to April. But it's just one that where the valuation never really stacked up. So it's a very flat growth. As in, it's 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 earnings per share uh, for FY twenty six. Let me just check my numbers here. Uh, uh, twenty six. It is. Yeah, FY twenty six. So it's going to earn uh, twenty eight and a half cents per share in FY26 based upon a 12 broker estimates. So there's a, there's a lot of smart people making these estimates and they're all saying 28 and a half cents in FY26. It's it's going to make, uh, it made 27 cents, 27.8. This year it's going to make 28.3. It's ba- The growth is flat. It's like 1% compound annual growth rate. And a, the reason why people like Horizon, it's got a decent yield, you know, 5.5% fully franked, but that's pretty much going to be your return out of this one because I don't think there's a, a great case for capital gains. And for me and again a lot of I mean, we've got different we're broad church of investors uh, mm. i think markets we're, we're a broker right we're just a broker we've got a bunch of clients um look some of them love this sort of stuff most of our clients tend to be more growth oriented so look give me something that's going to have great innings growth it might have a yield hopefully it does um but and the charts got some momentum in it and that's when we like them and it's just not this one uh, and again mark's made a really important point when we when we're on the show and we say buy hold or sell it's just what we would do yeah what you have, what you would do is really up to you, and, and get advice if you have have to to make a, a sensible decision about that. But I, I have to say, sell. I have to go sell on this one. I can't find a reason to hold it. Okay, it is what it is. Let's round it out with uh, Tuas Brandon wanting to know about this. It is a telco business uh, focused on Singapore, offering mobile services to customers there. All right, here's your last chance, Carl. Tell us about Tuas. <laughs> Um, it doesn't look terrible, so let me just say that. Um, so let me some of the ones we've seen today have just looked terrible. This one doesn't look terrible, but I don't think there's enough in it for me to get in, get even into the whole basket. I'm sorry. So I'm going to be with the wet blanket again. And uh, okay, I'll get. I'll, get, I'll, look, actually, I'll go go to a hold based on the basis of the short term trend. But if only maybe you'll get a better price to get out. So it's a bit like the other one I spoke about. Maybe 180. Look at that area very closely. Uh, if it was to close beneath 140, um, let's go look at beneath 135. Just looking at the technical level here, then it would become a sell for me. So I'm going to go hold, but conditionally on those uh, those criteria. Carl, in fact, uh, we're going to say goodbye to you because I know you've got an appointment to get I to. Need to so run. Look, yep. yep. Thanks so much for that. Um, hopefully next time we can find a buy. But look, you know, that's what make a market, doesn't it? It is You've got to sell as well. Yeah, absolutely. As, as and we're only giving, giving you our, our honest opinion based upon the best analysis. A- absolutely. Thanks, Carl. All right. That's uh, 2S Mark. Your thoughts? Okay. Well, this is an interesting one. Um, and in what happened was this was uh, when David Teo from um, you know, founder of TPG mm. decided to throw the towel in on Australia, which I totally understood <laughs> after they got dragged through the courts on the, um, you know, on, uh, the Vodafone uh, acquisition. Um, Tuas was his, was his company in Singapore, effectively. So he owns 173 million shares. Washington Solpats is another major shareholder. So they have infrastructure, 4G and going into 5G in Singapore, and, and they're doing in Thailand as well. So they're building a mobile network in a market that's already well served. But yep. anyway, um, the costs there are much lower because it, the geographies are much more uh, uh, constrained. So you don't have the distances like we have. You know, so it's a it's a low uh, capital cost build out compared to doing things in Australia. It's not making any money yet. Um, I actually got shares in it, uh, which were gifted to us when the uh, Vodafone uh, when um, uh, when that 
I can't remember what they actually did. They, they gave me some shares anyway because I was a TPG shareholder. Okay. Not anymore. Yep. So I kept them only because he, he was the major player and I had enormous confidence in his ability to make money. Uh, I got them at 47.50 cents and they're now $1.50 and they went up to 2.50 at one stage. So I'm up 300%. So this is not a company Team Invest can look at because it's pre-earnings. So it's purely speculative, but I'm holding and I did buy some more at about 80 cents because I'm just betting on uh, TO and, and most of the directors who were involved with him in Australia were all shareholders as well. So there's a lot of there's a lot of skin in the game of smart people who have performed very well before in Australia when they built TPG. So it's a speculative hold. All I can't say right. it's a buy because I have no idea what, what it's going to do. I'd be shocked if it was a buy. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. Let's uh, sum up where we've been for the second half of the show. Uh, main pharmaceuticals there. Uh, Carl, well, he used the dog word, said such a dog of a chart, uh, but he does have a hold on it. Uh, Mark, there is a no. Uh, Lapidico, the uh, lithium explorer, and a void from Mark, and a sell from Carl. Costa Group uh, in the horticultural space, which both recognise a very tough environment. Uh, Carl saying a hold to find a point in which to get out. Uh, Mark there, no, and Horizon. an okay stock, says, uh, says Mark, but a no. Um, Carl pointing out the flat growth of the company. He's got yes. to sell on it. And uh, 2S there, a hold from Carl. Uh, once again, to find a point at which to get out and also a speculative hold there from Mark. All right, Mark. I've got to say, I don't think I've ever done this show and not had no, no, some no, sort of no, buy. No, you're right. In fact, we didn't get one buy from no. either of us. You know, often you'll get, you know, particularly from a technical point of view, it was interesting today that Carl's technical uh, analysis matched my fundamental because often yeah. they don't. Yeah. Because you know, they can be completely opposite. But, um, but today they sort of all matched up pretty well. We were agreeing on everything. Well, that's what the show's about, not just buying. You've got to <laughs> know picking, where to sell as well. We're not well. picking the companies, remember. These are <laughs> yeah, that's 10, true. Ten companies chosen by viewers out of 2,200 companies. Yeah. You know, it's hard to pick good ones because I don't. I think there's only about 70 good companies on the market. Sure. <laughs> so. Mark, thanks for joining us on Team Invest. Thank you. All right, any stocks you'd like us to cover? Maybe you can find a buy next time. Flick us an email, the call at osbiz.com.au. You can tweet us at osbiz.tv. A reminder where to find those stocks. Uh, head to osbiz.co forward slash portfolio. Thanks for watching. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.